Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. Necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. Another edition of the Fit Down Sports Show, your extra down of sports coverage right here on Radio AFS and simulcast on the Arena Sports Network. However you may be listening to us, we thank you for being along for the ride. Um, of course, the, no- the number to call in if you want to be a part of the show is 646 668 Eight four six seven. Again, that's six four six 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 eight eight four six seven. We got a lot to talk about uh, this week. Obviously, we had the national championship game on Monday, so we got that to discuss. We had Wild Card Weekend, so we got all the NFL to go through. We got the division round coming up. Um. 
So we're gonna get we're gonna dive into all of those topics. We've had coaches hired, um, the coaches that we've told you about that have been fired. Uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of new potential listeners to the show. So um, you know, I will be explaining some of the things that we have already done on this show in the two years that we have been on the air. So I want I want to thank anybody who's new to the program. We thank you for being along, and hopefully you guys can go to our Facebook page. That's Fit Down Sports Show uh, on Facebook. Give us a like, and if we get enough likes, we can start doing some interesting things like giveaways and that kind of stuff. So, as always, spread it around to your friends. Uh, tell them to jump on if if they like sports. We'd like to have them aboard so that we can do some uh, some interesting things with the uh, with the the Facebook page and with uh, with the show here. Um, but anyway, um, so we're going to get into all that. Of course, we'll give you our picks for all the games uh, coming up on on Sunday. And we've got an interesting discussion. We, well, we've t- we talked about it last week, but we'll, we'll continue our Rookie of the Year discussion, um, which I think the case was pretty much made on Sunday, on Saturday for Rookie of the Year. I think it was pretty much put to bed, but we'll get into that. But I want to start with everything that happened in Santa Clara on Monday. We're going to start with the national championship game, and it looked like Alabama was ready to play. They came out the first drive, forced Clemson to a three and out, and then all hell broke loose, and that's when Clemson came out. We told you, we told you on this show, we we told you Clemson would win. We called it. We called it in in our preseason preview. Um, we had, we had Clemson beating Alabama. I did not think Clemson would beat Alabama the way they beat Alabama. They took it to Alabama from the start, third play of the game, uh, pick six by Clemson and the, I mean, Alabama hung around the first quarter and then that was the end of that chapter. Um, Trevor Lawrence kind of took over the game. The defense held strong. We told you that defensive line w- would hold up. Um a lot of people a lot of people were saying were saying at the beginning of the year, how do you stop Alabama? I said, you got to get pressure with your front four. And Cle- and people asked me, who has who has the ability? Clemson with their front four. Even without their all-pro their stud defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence even with him on the sidelines they still were able to get pressure again I, I've said this before I don't know what the NFL uh, draft experts I'll put that in quotes you, you can't see me doing the finger the air quotes but I will do the air quotes for the experts on the NFL draft how they are not impressed with Christian Wilkins um I, I don't understand. Um, some people, the latest projections I've seen have him as high as 15. 
I I don't get it. I think I think he's a top five talent. I would. He's he's the guy that showed me that he is basically the guy that basically does everything for that Clemson defense. He was in the backfield all night long, whether it was a passing play, whether it was a running play. Um, Christian Wilkins definitely stepped up, uh, showed the world what I, what I've been saying for the last, uh, you know, for basically the last season is that this guy is the real deal. Um, but we also saw Cleland Farrell. We saw him make some big plays. So that Clemson defensive line was big. Everybody said, oh, Alabama will be able to take take advantage of the Clemson secondary. Well, Clemson secondary came up with a couple interceptions. Obviously, I just talked about the pick six. Um, and really, Alabama couldn't take care of uh, – they couldn't really get separation, and you you saw you saw what the, the the trouble with Alabama was is Alabama usually has guys that you know they're they're not this big big time play you know they're not this all right we're just gonna throw bombs down the field I mean they hit a bomb every every now and then but usually when they make big plays it's Judy catches a you know, ten yard dig route and basically takes it you know, takes it to the house. That's how they've gotten their big plays all year. They were not able to do that against Clemson. And why weren't they able to do that against Clemson? Because Clemson was able to play matchup zone against them because of that front four. They were able to get pressure with four guys. That meant they could drop everybody else in coverage and pretty much uh, do whatever they wanted on defense. When they blitzed linebackers, they got the the blitzes got home. When they didn't blitz, they got pressure with the four guys and they dropped everybody in coverage. The windows were tighter and we saw we saw what happened to the Alabama team. Um so on the on the way to this Clemson victory I, I had an interesting take on this, and I haven't found anybody that can really step up and uh, and and take this to task. So I'm going to bring it up here. And again, if if you want to comment on anything that we talk about or anything that's going on in the world of sports, even if we haven't talked about it yet, just for the if anybody's new to the program. It doesn't matter what we're talking about or what we've already talked about or whether we've moved on. If you have a thought or a comment or you, you want to get your voice heard, call the show and we'll stop what we're doing and we'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about at any point in the show. Um, we don't really care. Um, it's just how we it's just how we roll here. We we go with we play with we play with the cards we're dealt. And uh, so if you want to call the show, again, 646-668-8467. But anyway, um, the best coach in college football, and this is not history. This is not, you know, Nick Saban obviously has the legacy to be the best coach 
But as far as X's and O's are concerned, the best coach in college football was not on the Alabama sideline. The best coach in football was not the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. The best coach in college football is the defensive coordinator, Brent Venables. What Brent Venables does with his defense is absolutely amazing. Um, I know... I know from sources that I've talked to that Brent Venables has actually turned down positions to be head coaches other at other places to stay at Clemson as defense. He likes being a defensive coordinator, and that's fine. But if if I were a college team and I had a coaching vacancy, how is Brent Venables not your first call? It, it it has to be Brent Venables. has to be your first call. Just to say, are you interested? How can we get you interested? What do you want? Do you want your own building? We'll, we'll name a building after you to bring you here. We'll give you the John Gruden 10-year guaranteed contract. Just come coach our team. If you're looking for a head coach, how he's not the opening, uh, the opening line how he's not the the guy at the top of your list, I I don't under I don't understand it. Um, I know he's I know he's turned down mediocre head coaching jobs, but if you're a big time program, um, I don't see I don't see how he he wouldn't fit the bill. And we'll get into some coaching uh, hires and obviously you know we do firings here, but we're in the hiring season now, so. Um, We'll talk more about hirings later on in the show when we talk about the NFL and the crazy things that are going on there. But as far as college football is concerned, I cannot say enough about how much I respect Brent Venables and the job that he's done with Clemson. And people could say, oh, it's because he's got the better players. He's got This is a guy who's been there. He's been there for at least 10 years. I want to say, and anybody can call up and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's been there at least 10 years. I, I thought, I think he, if my memory serves me correctly, he predates Dabo for being there. So um, this is a guy who is Clemson, you know, to the fullest. And he's the guy that, he, I just respect the heck out of him. And he showed it on Monday in that championship. He had Tua. I mean, we thought Tua was unstoppable. He had Tua second-guessing himself, pumping the ball, bringing the ball down, didn't know what he was seeing, throwing throwing right into zones. It, it was an amazing defensive plan. And to go to the other side of the ball um, – I just want I just want to make sure I get this guy's name right cuz I think I got him mixed up on the Snowman show in the morning. Uh when I did my interview with the Snowman, I'm pretty sure I got this guy's name wrong for his first name, but people people are shocked. People are people are talking about Trevor Lawrence as Trevor Lawrence is the greatest thing ever. blah blah blah. Trevor Lawrence wasn't even the best freshman on the field. Okay? Justin Ross was the best freshman on the field. 
he torched Alabama, and he is the reason why Alabama got the whooping that they did. Justin Ross is an interesting story for those that don't know Justin Ross. Justin Ross was an Alabama commit, decommitted, and went to Clemson. And he showed you uh, why he would have he would would have been good for Al. He would he showed you why he uh, why he is what he is. He was uncoverable. He could do anything he wanted, catch short passes, break tackles, run run it for a touchdown, running by everybody and catching balls for touchdowns. So as impressive as Trevor Lawrence was, and as far as Trevor Lawrence is, Justin Ross was was the player of the game. He's the one that made that game go. So that was the national championship game, Clemson rolling over Alabama. And now the talk has turned. Before the national championship game, before Monday night happened, all the talk was, what's Alabama's legacy? What's Saban's legacy at Alabama? What is blah, 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 blah. And you want to know what the talk was Tuesday morning and Tuesday afternoon and pretty much all day, every day on all these shows? What does the Clemson win mean for college football? What it means for college football is that Clemson and Clemson is on the level of Alabama. And if you don't believe me, if you if you want to sit there and believe, oh, Clemson's not up there because they don't have all the titles of Alabama. Hold on. The last four years, Alabama and Clemson have the exact same record. Yet in the last four years, Clemson has two national titles. Alabama has one. That's the list. And... What it means for college football is that we are going to see these two teams back and forth, back and forth. Now, people want to say this hurts the Alabama. Losing a national championship does never hurts, never hurts you. Okay, just because you lost in a national championship game, it, it does not. It's not going to cripple Alabama. It doesn't mean the Saban regime is over. It doesn't mean. Clemson cracked the code, and everybody's going to be able to do what Clemson did. And I saw, I saw somebody, somebody on one of these shows said, "Well, everybody in the SEC is going to look at what Clemson did and try to mirror it." All right, not everybody, not even in the SEC, not everybody has a defensive line like Clemson. Not everybody has four defensive linemen who are going to be drafted. In the NFL, not everybody has a replacement defensive tackle to replace their top five NFL draft pick. Not everybody can replace them with a third-round NFL draft pick that's a senior. I mean, usually the guy replacing him is like a talented freshman or, you know, a talented sophomore guy that's never played. Well, Clemson replaced with with a senior who has a third-round grade and could be taken in the late second round. That's how good he is, okay? That's the – not everybody has that. So you're not going to be able to look at 
the national championship game and have some kind of blueprint to say, this is how we're going to stop Alabama. You're going to see Alabama next year right back where they are, probably going to start the season at number two on the polls, which we've talked about on this show. Preseason polls don't mean anything, along with the poll that came out before, the way too early poll. Like, every poll is way too early. We talked on this show, we don't do polls until October, till the first week in October, because polls are meaningless until we've seen people play. But this this game is not going to cripple Alabama. It's not going to be the death of Nick Saban. Uh, Nick Saban's going to reload, and Bama's going to be right back where, where they are, right at the top next year. So we don't have to worry about that. The only thing that this game did is it brought Alabama back to the pack. And not even back to pack, just it brought Clemson up to where Alabama is. These are the two teams that are going to be talked about for the foreseeable future. As long as we have a playoff the way that it's constructed right now, these two teams are going to be going at it nonstop. And anybody who doesn't believe me, just look at the FCS. The FCS has done a playoff. They have an even deeper playoff, okay? I think they have 16, I think, 16 teams in their playoff, 16 or 12, one of those. Okay? And look at what they have at the at the FCS level. North Dakota State pretty much runs the show. They pretty much win it every year. They have... They go from Carson Wentz to East to the best name in, in all of college football, Easton Stick at North, uh, North Dakota State. If you watched that game, if you watched that championship game, you saw what it means to be a powerhouse. They just ran roughshod over East, or Eastern Washington. And my guy, Easton Stick, I, I love that name. Um, but they go from Carson Wentz to Easton Stick. Um, they switch head coaches. Their head coach just got another job, and they still win championships. That's how it's going to be at the – that's what it's going to be, okay? I think North Dakota State has won six, six of the last seven FCS titles, something like that. It's either six out of seven or seven out of eight. That's how it's going to be in – in the uh, in the uh, FBS, with the playoff the way it's constructed, you're going to get the same teams over and over again. Alabama's played in every one. Clemson has played in the last four. And can you really see any way that they're not going to be there? I mean, any way that these two teams are not gonna, are not going to go all the way? I mean. Who in the ACC is going to challenge Clemson? We thought Miami would. They didn't. This year, we thought maybe Virginia Tech. But they pulled a Virginia Tech. Ended up making the championship. Do we really think they're going to, going to have a sustained uh, attack and be able to take on Clemson? No. So Clemson's going to be there. Alabama's the one that we can question because because of how loaded the SEC is, you know, and we can talk about 
you know, maybe Alabama, you know, Alabama's got to go through LSU and Auburn and Georgia and Florida in 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 the in the final in the championship in the SEC championship game. But as long as long as Alabama finishes the season with one loss, Alabama's going to be in 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 the playoff. That's just how it's going to be. Okay, so we either have to get used to it or get more teams in, and that's the list. Okay. Um, I had a nice discussion with somebody. I I, I want to make sure I bring this up because uh, this is what we did. I I my my friend Susie, who very very thankful for. She's added me to a couple of groups on Facebook. Uh, one of them, NCAA Sports Nation. Um, we've added the show to to the to the group, and we got into it with a, with a couple of people on on the on the group already. Um, you know, we love the debate, and again, you guys, you guys are always welcome to come on the show and debate us. We don't we don't care. We're not going to be like. We're not going to be like the the Godfather, Mike Francesa. And if you call up and disagree with me, I'm going to hang up on you. Like I, I don't care. If you disagree with me, it makes for better, makes for a better show. So I'm all for you calling up and telling me I'm a jackass. It, it it's all, it's all good. Okay. As long as we keep it to the sports, in in the sports realm, it's all good. We, we like the dissension. But um. You know, we've we've had a good time in the groups and spreading spreading our stuff around. We look forward to getting a lot more out there um, as we go. So I, I want to thank Susie for adding me, um, and I want to thank uh, the people that run NCA Sports Nation. We'll, uh, you know, we look we look forward to bringing a lot of our talk to the to the group and putting a lot of group conversations on the air uh, when we can and when, when it's feasible. But that being said, going forward with college football, um, I don't think this game changes much other than it, it vaults Clemson up to the status of Alabama, and, and we can get ready for the, to watch these two teams go at it for a number of, of years from now. Um. That being said, the future of college football. Let me just say this about we we've 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 done this the last three weeks. Okay, the Heisman Trophy was an absolute joke. The Associated Press had no idea what they were doing. We talked about it. The Associated Press Coach of the Year. We talked about it last. Uh, talked about it two weeks ago. Absolute disaster. They have no clue what they're doing. The AP finished it off, put the nail in the coffin as far as their credibility and anything that they say. They can no longer claim to be experts. They can't claim to be anything because they have no idea what they're doing. And with their final poll, the their end-of-the-year rankings are absolutely ridiculous. And I just want to go through them for, for a for a little bit and, and and break this down. Obviously, you got Clemson, Alabama, one, two, no brainer. How 
they've put Ohio State at number three, I would love for somebody to explain it. Other than a bias and a sympathy pick for Urban Meyer, like maybe send him out on a good note. I mean, I was talking to somebody. I was actually talking to somebody today who overheard me doing an interview with with an, on another show, uh, Snowman in the Morning on Arena Sports Network. If you guys, uh, if you guys are are on Arena Sports Network, make sure you catch the Snowman Snowman in the Morning. We love doing his show. It's a good show. Um, but I was talking with the snowman, and he overheard the conversation, and he said to me, I absolutely agree. The, the man said, I absolutely agree with you. How is Ohio State number three? And Urban Meyer doesn't deserve that after what he did. And I had to, I had to tell this man, I said, you're absolutely right. And one of the reasons you, as a listener, want to be a part of the Fit Down Sports Show on Facebook, all of our episodes are up there. And if you are interested in the Urban Meyer, you want to check out when we first did the show and I had my friend Jenny on and we talked all about the, the controversy, you can find the show there. It's it's All our shows are listed. They're in order of, of how, how we did them. But – um. But anyway, how is Ohio State the number three team in the country? That doesn't make any sense to me. How did Ohio State jump over Oklahoma and Notre Dame? Somebody has to explain that to me. Because we all know the top four teams made it, and Oklahoma was the fourth team. Oklahoma somehow stayed at four. How did that happen? They got Last time I checked... Oklahoma got trounced by Alabama. Now, people could say, oh, Oklahoma scored 35 points. Yeah, they were down 28 nothing, and Alabama had barely blinked. And that's when Alabama said, you know what, we got this in the bag. If Alabama kept playing the way that they wanted to play, that game would have been 50 to nothing at halftime. Okay? Um... So how did Oklahoma stay at four? Uh, Notre Dame dropped from three to five, and they their only loss on the year was a loss to Clemson, who was the eventual national champion. So you want to tell me that their five, oh, that Ohio State is better than them because they beat a Washington team that barely won the Pac-12, that needed a snowstorm to win the Pac-12. And you want to tell me Ohio State is the better team? Come on. that That's just a joke. Then you want to look at everything else. Then you want to go down the list, okay? Number seven team in the country was LSU and Georgia. We're tied. How did LSU and Georgia get tied at seven? One, LSU beat Georgia head-to-head. Two, I saw Georgia play in the SEC championship game. They lost. I saw Georgia play in the in the Sugar Bowl. They lost. They were uninspired. That shouldn't be rewarded. Okay, what Georgia did in the Sugar Bowl should not be rewarded with anything. They should be down there. Then you look at the list. Texas is below Georgia. Last time I che- last time I checked, Texas was running over Georgia. 
So if you want to put those teams close to each other, you put Texas above Georgia because of what Texas did to Georgia and what I saw with my own eyes. Then, of course, they knock UCF all the way down outside of the top ten. They put Washington State above UCF somehow because UCF lost a game to LSU. And we talked about it last week. It was probably one of the more intriguing bowl games of the bowl season. Um, you know, the the stat the stats don't show you how that game was played. Again, UCF never trailed by more than 16 points, more than two scores until late in the fourth quarter when they scored to make it a, an eight-point game. They got down by eight, and they came back to pull within within one score. You want to tell me that that team is not one of the top ten teams in the country? I mean, come on. So the AP clearly has no idea what they're doing. They clearly have a bias against they clearly have a bias against Notre Dame for some reason. And and I think it goes back to wherever it goes back to the legacy of Notre Dame. Basically if you're Notre Dame and you don't win the championship, you're looked at a, a, as a failure. You're looked at as the season is a disaster. This Notre Dame team and and everybody said it going in. We talked about it last week with people that said Notre Dame doesn't even deserve to be there because of their schedule. When Notre Dame played the most bowl eligible teams of any team, of any team, their schedule was the most loaded out of anybody. But they didn't do enough. They didn't do enough because they didn't win a conference championship. And it was actually announced this week, which is interesting, which which is is an interesting take on Notre Dame. Notre Dame came out and said, look, we want to schedule a 13th game. We want to play 13 games like everybody else. The NCAA won't let us do it. And that's right. The NCAA will not let them play 13 games because it's not fair to everybody else. But if you have a conference champion, if you have a conference championship game, then you're allowed to play a 13th game. Otherwise, you're not allowed. So, again, it doesn't make any sense. It it just it, it just boggles my mind, and it was clearly a bias move, and maybe it was a sympathetic thing, like oh, Urban Meyer, we'll let him go out with a with a top top three. I mean, does it really make a difference if Ohio State is five? No. In the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference. They're both – it really doesn't. But it just shows you how – it just shows you how they don't pay attention to the – they pay attention to what just happened, not, oh, what does this mean? What is the context of it? Like, Notre Dame lost, yes. Did they lose bad? Yes. But Clemson just beat Alabama – almost as bad as they beat Notre Dame. So if you want to tell me losing to Clemson matters, then how come it doesn't matter for one team, but it matters for no it matters that Notre Dame lost that game. But it doesn't matter to anybody else. It doesn't matter that Alabama destroyed Oklahoma. You didn't drop Oklahoma. 
So it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so that's the AP, and they can no longer be trusted, and I'm sure they will come out with poll after poll, and I'm sure they will come out. They, they're the ones that control pretty much everything to do with anything. They will come out with their rookie of the year, which we talked about last week, and that's how I'm going to transition this over to the NFL is wild card weekend. We saw the rookie of the year, and I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I want I want to give credit to to Coach Capone, who brought this up on my Facebook when when I mentioned that my guy Quentin Nelson is the rookie of the year. I don't care what anybody else says. Quentin Nelson, guard for Indianapolis, is the rookie of the year. There's no way you can explain how anybody else deserves this award. But the play that pretty much showed me is on on the Indianapolis' second touchdown, the touchdown run by uh, whatever the running back's name is there. I blank on it right now. They ran the ball into the end zone, and Quentin Nelson – body slammed Jadavian Clowney two yards into the end zone and absolutely pancake, like get out of town, just absolutely destroyed him. You don't see rookies doing that. I mean, even Booger McFarlane was saying you can't, Jadavian Clowney, a guy of Jadavian Clowney's status cannot be getting punked like that. And he absolutely got punked. He got destroyed by a rookie, and if you want to tell me that that, that guy's not, I, I mean, I don't see how you could put it any way else. Quentin Nelson was all NFL All-Pro, All-Pro as, as a rookie. Saquon Barkley, people have said, well, Saquon Barkley, he had 2,000 he had yards from scrimmage, and you can't ignore that. Yeah, you know how I can ignore that? Saquon Barkley had all of those yards and is not he's not the best he's not the best running back in the game. He didn't make he didn't make first team NFL all pro. People want to say Baker Mayfield, he's the quarterback. He led the Browns to victories and look at how that team turned around when he got under center. Baker Mayfield did do all that. Great job. Baker Mayfield is not the best quarterback in all of football. He did not make the NFL All-Pro list. However, Quentin Nelson was a first-team All-Pro guard as a rookie. Not, oh, he had the best year out of rookies. No, he was the best guard out of every single guard in the league. And that includes Cowboys fans, Zach Martin. Quentin Nelson was better than Zach Martin this year. Yes, I know. He was hurt. He got hurt in preseason. He's been pretty much battling injury all year. Zach Martin, I still love him. I'm a Cowboys fan. I still love Zach Martin. But I got to give credit to Quentin Nelson. He was the best guard in all of football. 
how you can avoid giving him the rookie of the year, I don't understand it. Speaking of that, speaking of what he's done, how about what the Colts did to the Houston Texans? Deshaun Watson looked like he had never thrown an NFL pass before. Um, The Colts' defense made him look foolish. I know DeAndre Hopkins was injured, had an injured shoulder going in. He aggravated the injury, so he wasn't fully going. Um, He wasn't fully going the whole whole time. He wasn't ready to go in the second half. He was kind of, you know, half-speeding it because of the injury. I get it, but he, they may, you know, remember back to the beginning of the season when everybody was talking about the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson is going to be the next big thing. You know what that does? That just tells me all you need to know about the media. For the media, they can make anybody into the next big thing. Deshaun Watson, what makes you the next big thing is winning and performing well in playoff games. Not performing well in six regular season games. Not performing, not taking an 0-3 team to the playoffs. That makes you a good player. What makes you a next-level player is doing it in the playoffs. And we did not see that from Deshaun Watson. We saw a Deshaun Watson that was overwhelmed, couldn't hit easy passes, was overthrowing receivers. So all the criticisms from the 0-3 Deshaun Watson came out in that playoff game. And and that's just what that's where we stand right now. That's just where we stand. Deshaun Watson, good player. Not yet ready to take the next step. Okay? However, on the other side, how about how good was Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck, we are seeing. We're seeing what what the NFL is becoming. The NFL is becoming three steps, get the ball out. Catch the ball in the shotgun, get the ball out. Get the ball out of your hands. None of this hold on to the ball, run around, you know, that that looks that that looks good. It it looks flashy. It it, it makes you look good. You want to win in the NFL, you got to get the ball and get rid of it. Know where you're going with it and and if if it's not there, check it down. That's Andrew Luck's game right now. He's not throwing the ball. He's not throwing the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. He's not, he doesn't have to. He has to throw the ball 10, 15 yards. Those are his big completions. A lot of people have complained. Oh, Andrew Luck doesn't push the ball down the field. You, don't, you can't push the ball down the field when you're getting rid of it in three seconds. You can't get rid of the ball. You can't throw deep routes when you're... When your your offense is built on catch the ball, get rid of it, throw it in space, let guys catch it, let them make plays. And that's working. And Frank Reich's offense, we have seen it work. It worked with Philly last year. It's working with Indianapolis now. That's the way that they're going to play the game. So we went from that game 
we we went from that game to the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. And what did this game come down to? This game came down to Dallas's ability play defense and run the ball with Zeke and allow Dak Prescott to make just enough plays. We have we have talked on this show, we have talked to many people. We we had Denise call the show. She gave us a, a great example of what Cowboys fans should be thinking about Dak Prescott that he doesn't need to do too much. When he tries to do too much, that's when he gets in trouble. But what this game came down to is the Cowboys were able to control the ball, control what Dak was doing, and they were able to control the pass rush. You want to know what the biggest play of that game was that really nobody's talked about? Everybody's talked about Dak's touchdown to Michael Gallup. That was not the biggest play of the game. play of the game came on, I believe it was a third and memory serves me correct. I think it was a it was a third and like thirteen or something like that. Dak went back to pass and everybody said everybody said, Oh, he's dropping back to pass. Now he's running. No. If you watch the play, it was a designed quarterback draw because the whole game I was sitting there saying, run a quarterback draw. They are dropping out of the middle. Seattle was looping their defensive tackles out, and the whole middle of the field was wide open. So Dak drops back. Dak goes back. You could see it was a run all the way because the center was like five yards down the field. Dak ran it, got the first down. The Cowboys eventually scored a touchdown on that drive, and that was the end of the game. The other big key to this game was right before halftime when Sebastian Janikowski pulled a muscle, in, and it looked like his hamstring, trying to kick a 58-yard field goal. Um, that caught, That put a lot of pressure on the Seattle offense because now they knew they couldn't kick field goals. I mean, you saw the dude wind, like lining up to kick field goals. They were never going to kick a field goal with their punter. Their punter was never going to get out there and kick a field goal. That was never going to happen. And we saw the guy try, try to try to kick an outside kick. Like he wasn't even kicking off from a tee. He was drop kicking the ball on kickoffs. Like. I don't know what I don't know what was going on. I don't know what the Seahawks were thinking late in the game. I, you know, and people can criticize Pete Carroll all they want for everything that he's done. You know, a lot of people, oh, Pete Carroll was running the ball too much on first and second down. That's what they've done all year. All year they've been running the ball. Why would they stop now? Would have been nice to see them mix mix in a throw every now and then on first first or second down, probably to, to keep people honest. But that's not the way the Seahawks have played. The Seahawks have done everything that they needed to do. Um, but 
So that that's what that game came down to, and the Cowboys were able to hold it out 24-22. So good for the Dallas Cowboys, and they and that that leads us into Sunday. I kind of I kind of want to start. I'm going to start with the late game on Sunday because there's kind of there's not that much to talk about in in the Philly. Chicago game, other than, um, you know, my, my boy Lavaza, who hopefully he's listening to, hopefully he's listening to the show. Big Eagles fan, and he knows, he knows why the Eagles were able to win that game. Um, for those of you that that don't know, I I will share with you. If you're an Eagles fan out there, you can send all the thanks my way. You know when I pick against the Eagles, that means the Eagles win. Um, that came true when I picked the Bears last week, and the Eagles were able to win. Why did they win? Because of that. You know, it's such a corny rule, but I like it. You know, I like I like the time. A lot of people don't like the freeze the kicker, timeout, you know, call a timeout as soon as the – you know, right before the guy snaps the ball, we're going to call timeout and freeze the kicker. And this time it worked. You know, I would love to see what the stats are to how many times that works to how many times it doesn't work. But, you know, how many times have we seen guys call timeout, guy misses the field goal, and then they go to kick the regular one and he makes it? I want to know how many times it works the way it worked on, on Sunday where – Cody Parkey made the first one, but there was a timeout called, and the second one hit the left upright, bounced down on the crossbar. Um, it um, yeah, bounced down on the crossbar, and then it then it kicked back through. So. So, anyway, that's what happened. And I just want to say something real quick to the Bears, to the Bears fans out there. You know, you guys need to lighten up. I know Cody Parkey missed some field goals this year. He hit the post. They showed, like, a montage of it where he hit the post, like, five times during the year. And, you know, you know. It's football. It's a sport. You win some, you lose some. But to the people that have, the people that took to booing him off the field and the people that, that have, have sent him, I, I saw a report where it said people were sending him death threats, and that's just over the line. I mean, it's it's a game. The guy The guy made... Four, the guy made four field goals to put you – to even give you a chance. You want to be mad at somebody? How about you be mad at Mitchell Trubisky, who didn't get your team into the end zone? How about you be mad at your team for not picking up a first down and not being able to make it a, a 40-something-yard field goal to win the game? That's not an easy kick. 
So to anybody out there who wants to get on a kicker because they missed the last kick, how about you put the ball in the end zone and then you don't have to worry about it, okay? It's ridiculous the way people the way people react as if as if they think they're better than somebody because this guy missed a field goal. You know, to tell this guy to to give this guy death threats. You need to you need to look in the mirror and check yourself if that's how you feel after a game. If that if 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 a football game makes you that upset where you want to send death threats to somebody, you need to find another sport. You need to find something else to do with your life because you're not worth it. Okay, it's that simple. But anyway. So that was the Bears-Eagles game, basically, in a nutshell. Now let's get to the big, big topic. So the San Diego – I still call them the San Diego Chargers, and people can get on me all they want. I don't care. We talked about this with Lou last week. Until the Chargers play in a real football stadium that is not a soccer field – I will I will not acknowledge them as where they play. I will still call them the San Diego Chargers. Um, so the San Diego Chargers played the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens did not show up for three quarters, maybe even more than three quarters of the game. I want to say three. You know, they probably didn't show up for about till about nine minutes left in the game. That's when they decided to to take the field. So anyway, the um, What was I doing? Oh, yeah, the Ravens. So, for the first half, at least for the first three drives, the Ravens. I had I had to I had to send this I had to send this uh, this message out when I was watching the game. The Baltimore Ravens. They were trying to play. I, I had to remind them this is football, not basketball. They were trying to dribble the ball. I mean, Lamar Jackson fumbled twice, recovered both of them. Uh, recovered, recovered both of them on their first drive. Then they give the ball to the running back. He fumbles. Chargers recover. Chargers were able to get the the Ravens' defense held the Chargers out of the end zone for the most part of the game and gave their offense a chance. Here's the problem: when you factor in sacks. Entering the fourth quarter, the Ravens had negative two yards passing. Their passing game was hurting them. And I had to sit, I've had to sit here and listen to people talk about, 
oh, Lamar Jackson is a better version of Tim Tebow. Oh, really? Show me the game where Tim Tebow had negative yards passing. I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist. If it does, I want to see it because I would love I would love to just analyze that game. But I can't remember I can't remember a game where Tim Tebow had negative yards passing. Okay. And the and people want to sit here and say, oh, I've I've heard this from from a lot of different places and a lot of different shows that I watch. The Ravens did the right thing by keeping Lamar Jackson in there. This is a learning experience. Regular season is for learning experiences. The playoffs are about one and done. In a one and done situation, if your guy's not getting it done, you take him out and you put somebody else in who can. And Phil Sims and Boomer Siasen talked about it at halftime. Tony Romo talked about it coming out of the half. You need to throw the ball to get back in this game. You need to bring in Joe Flacco. And that's not to say Joe Flacco's any kind of savior or any kind of, you know, oh, Joe Flacco's going to come in and, 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 and all is going to be right with the world. They still probably would have lost to, to the Chargers, okay? The Chargers were the better football team. However, Joe Flacco would have given you a chance to complete some of those passes. Lamar Jackson was missing guys in the flat wide open by five or six yards. They weren't even close. And you could sit there and say to all of your team, you could sit there and say all you want, oh, you know, Lamar Jackson was was under duress. He was under pressure. Okay, Joe Flacco has played in plenty of games. Joe Flacco played in the Super Bowl. He he's played under pressure before. So to say that, oh, you, I, I heard this a lot. You didn't. You don't want to take him out because Lamar Jackson is the future of. of if he's the future, why not take him out and say? You know what, kid? You didn't have it today. We're going to go with this guy because we need to throw the ball to get back in this game. I'll bring this back to college football. Last year in the national championship game, does anybody remember what what Alabama did in the national championship game? Their offense looked like garbage in the first half with a running quarterback. They said, we need to throw the ball to get back in this game in the second half. They put in a throwing quarterback. That's what they did. So you can tell me all you want about, they did a good job, and Lamar Jackson was able to tear them up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he was able to tear them up when they were playing prevent defense, which almost prevented them from winning the game. Almost allowed, you know... Baltimore to make a comeback, and that's all I got to say. Uh, would Joe Flacco have have done any any differently? I don't know. And we can sit here and we can Monday morning quarterback it all 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 day long, but this was a first guess. This wasn't a. When I saw the score, 
when I saw the score at halftime and I and I saw the fact that they had negative yards passing, I said, You've gotta you've gotta change this. You've either gotta just start dropping Lamar Jackson back and hoping that he can pass the ball or you've gotta put Joe Flacco in and give your team a chance. Give your team some kind of hope. Give the defense some kind of hope that all right, if we stop him, we're going to get the ball back, and we're going to throw the ball down the field and score. The to not to not even give your team that that effort. I I got to put it on 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 Coach Harbaugh. I got to put it on John Harbaugh. You know. And Harbaugh said we had the discussions. I'm wondering what what discussions were they. Who were those discussions with, and and who decide, who who made the statement? You know what, we're better we're better off with Lamar Jackson throwing the ball five yards over everybody's head, or spiking the ball into the dirt. Who came up? Who who came on on the headset and was like, "Look, Coach Arbaugh, you want to put Flacco in? No, this is better. We're okay. We're okay." We're okay missing missing these easy passes. We're okay holding on to the football too long and and taking sacks. This, this is going to work for us. Who came up with that idea? Because it didn't work, and it wasn't working for three and almost almost I would say three quarters and five minutes of, in, into the into the fourth quarter until the Chargers said, "You know what? We're good." We got this game wrapped up. Let's just play a prevent defense and let's get let's get out of dodge. So the Chargers beat the beat the Ravens. So we have that means that the Ravens will now play. That means well the Ravens are done. That means the Chargers will go into Foxborough. Yeah, the Chargers will go to Foxborough to play the Patriots, and the Colts will go to Kansas City um, to, into Arrowhead, and um, that's the AFC side of it. The NFC side of it, uh, Philadelphia will go to New Orleans, and the Dallas Cowboys will go to Los Angeles to play the Rams. So since we are right there with everything that we've got, Let's let's go on, let's move on to these games and let's talk let's talk about the Saturday games. Let's start with let's start with Saturday. I want I want to get I want to do this by the way the games are. So So here we go. Ah, off me. All right. So let's start with Wow. Um that's it. All right, we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. Some breaking news, some breaking news coming over the wire has has me a little bit flustered, so but we'll we'll get we'll get to the breaking news uh about about who the Jets are going to hire with um who the Jets are going to hire to be their next head coach. And it's a guy who the Jets fans are probably 
very familiar with. But we'll get to them. All right. We'll get to all that in a minute. Here we go. Let's go. Let's let's just make a check here. All right. Let's go to the let's go to the Saturday. Let's go to Saturday's edition. We got Indianapolis at Kansas City. Now I've been I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. Andy Reid in the playoffs can't I can't trust him. I don't trust Andy Reid in the playoffs. I know this from being a, being a Cowboys fan. I've watched Andy Reid coach the Eagles. I've watched the Eagles in the playoffs. I watched them flounder every which way they could lose games. I don't know how they lost games. I watched them lose a game last year where the quarterback threw a touchdown to himself. So I've seen I've seen Andy Reid lose a game every which way. I you know if there's a way to lose in in the playoffs. Andy Reid will find a way to do it, okay? I'm sure all the lead-up to this game will be about, you know, the time uh, about Andrew Luck's first playoff game, which was when Kansas City was absolutely destroying Indianapolis, only to watch Andrew Luck have the biggest comeback since Frank Reich, which is interesting because he's now the head coach at Indianapolis. So... That will be definitely talked about all week, but in this game, in this game, the big talk will be how does Pat Mahomes handle the playoff atmosphere? And here's where I think this game comes down to. And a lot of people, I, I put the question out on Facebook. I, I, I asked people to tell me how they're going to win games. How do they think each game's going to end up? Uh, my boy Ray got my boy Ray said the Colts. Uh, Jose said the Colts. Denise said the Colts. My boy Duffy says the Colts. Uh, I talked to Snowman. He believes the Colts will win. Everybody's on the Colts bandwagon, which is why, if you know how this show works, you know when everything's going one way. You know, fit down sports. We're gonna go. We're gonna zig when everybody zags, and I'm gonna go with the. I think. I think this is Kansas City's game. I think they can win this game. Why do I think they can win this game? If Indianapolis is gonna play that same defense, which they've played all year, which Tampa two zone defense. If that's the game that they're gonna play, there's a guy on Kansas City. I'll call him the zone buster. And that's Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is going to is going to cause fits for that Indianapolis defense. You know, cover two is a great coverage when you have guys like uh DeAndre Hopkins who stays on the outside and you know basically runs go routes and in breaking routes. From the outs, from the outside, from the X and Y position, to get very technical on you. When you have an X Y receiver, Tampa two works perfectly because you have them bracketed. When you have a guy like a Tyreek Hill, who is 
basically going to line up in the slot, going to line up outside. He's going to line up every different spot you can think of. He's going to find the seams and run right down the seam of that defense. And he's going to be a guy that if you if he has space and he gets the ball in space, he's going to make somebody miss and make somebody look foolish. And I, that's why I think Kansas City is built to win that to win this game. Kansas City's defense, that's a totally different story. Their defense is atrocious. We all know that. But is their defense good enough to get a couple stops? I, I, I think they can stop the Colts a couple of times. I think Tyreek Hill is going to make or break this game. If Tyreek Hill has a big day, Kansas City wins. Indianapolis shuts Tyreek Hill out. Indianapolis has a shot to win. That's how they have to have a shot to win this game. And they don't have a guy who can follow Tyreek around. They don't have a shutdown guy. That's not how Indianapolis plays defense. So I don't see them as having the uh, the horses to run with Kansas City. If Kansas City does what Kansas City usually does on offense, where they're putting up, you know, 35, 40 points, I don't think Indianapolis can run with them. So I'm going to take Kansas City in this game. I do think it's going to be close. I want to see what – let's go to the – Let's just check what let's just check the spread before I say closer than the experts think, but Kansas City five and a half. I I think it'll be closer than that. I would say Kansas City somewhere in the range of I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I kinda want it to be like a real score. So, uh, I'll say 41-38. I think it'll be high scoring. I think it'll be entertaining. So I'll go. I'll I'll go with that. I I think Chiefs by four is a is a good um, is a good uh, good prediction. So that's what we'll go with. All right. Let's go to the nightcap on Saturday just going in in order of the way the games are going to be played, and that is the Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Rams. You all know I love the Cowboys. I will be rooting for the Cowboys. I think this is going to be... I think this is going to be their biggest test. I really do. Um... You know, I said last week, I said the Cowboys are probably the most dangerous team because I like their defense. I like defense in the playoffs, and the Cowboys can play that defense. They can play defense with those two linebackers. Um, you know, with J- when Jalen Smith, Jalen Smith, I love watching Jalen Smith play. All right, he flies around the field. He brings energy. He gets fired up when he makes a big play. When somebody else makes a big play, you see him running around like uh, jumping around like an idiot. Like I love that about Jalen Smith. I think it's the greatest thing ever. Um, so I think he can play. Byron Jones, you know, 
Byron Jones is the guy. He's got to step up in this game. He has been getting picked on the last couple weeks. He has, granted, he always takes the best receiver, and obviously teams are going to try to get the ball to their best receiver. He has not been the top cover guy for the Cowboys. I mean, people have tried to pick on uh, a Wouzie who has has done a remarkable job, but Byron Jones needs to step up. Where the Cowboys are weak and where I don't like um where I don't like the Cowboys matchups on defense, I don't like the safety position. I've said it all year. Cowboys safeties safety is the Achilles heel. And I think that can be a downfall for this Cowboys team against the Rams. The Rams are going to like to throw the ball down the seam, down the field. Those safeties are going to have to play. Jeff Heath, not the best in coverage. I think they're going to pick on Jeff Heath a lot. Uh, On the other side, Xavier Woods, even though he's got the power of positivity on his side. For those of you that don't know, that's a WWE reference. But Xavier Woods at the other safety, uh, he's kind of more of a hitter than he is a coverage guy. So against these Rams could be an issue. Um, So I know it's going to pain a lot of the Cowboys fans here, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Rams on a Saturday. I'm going to go with the Rams on Saturday night. Here's the thing, seven-point spread, according to this, seven-point spread, which means it probably could get up to seven and a half. It'll probably be six and a half by the time the game kicks off. I think it'll be closer than that. I think Cowboy, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the Rams. I'll take, I'll take Rams thirty, Cowboys twenty-four, um, as as a score. Um, so we'll go with that. All right, we've got a caller on the line. I think I know who this is, so let's bring him on right away. Hey, how you doing, Fit Down Sports Show? Hey, Chris, it's Lou. Hey, what's going on, Lou? Well, I'm hearing interesting reports that the Jets may have sold on their new coach, uh, finally. I so just allowed... read that across uh, across the wire. I, I was sa- I was kind of saving it because I'm going to talk coaches later. But we'll bring it up. We'll bring it up now since you since you brought it up, Lil. What do you think of Adam Gaze? Well, you know me. I'm not convinced until I hear everything is signed on the dotted line because there's been a lot of reports of who was going to get the coach. They were thinking of, uh, you know, going after McCarthy or the Packers. They were even thinking of going after the coach from Baylor. But that yeah. would be a mistake. Matt Rule. He really doesn't have much of a yeah Matt Rule because. He doesn't really have a lot of NFL coaching experience, and that would be a mistake on the Jets' part if they would have took him. I mean, that's the last thing the Jets need. They need someone who, yeah, who knows I mean, the game. I, I don't understand the fascination with college coaches this year. We're gonna get in. I'm gonna yeah. get into that when I get it. When I get into the Arizona debacle that that went on. But I, I mean, Arizona's pick for head coach is just baffling to say the least. But we're gonna we're gonna try to figure that out. But I don't understand what it, it it's somebody else. This is somebody else's line. I saw this somewhere else. It's it's the Sean McVay effect. Everybody wants yes. the young, 
the new the new young guy who can who, who can do uh, work wonders and, and be a wonder kid. Like that's not how it works. Sean no. McVay. Sean McVay. Yes, he was a young a young guy, but he worked in the NFL for. He was a he was an offensive coordinator for the Redskins for two years. He was an offensive coach with the Redskins for, I believe it was four years before that. So it's not like he just all of a sudden appeared and was like, "All right, this 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 guy knows what he's doing. We're gonna hire." Like that's not how it works. Like, and Matt Rule, great coach. He's done wonders at Baylor. Yes. But like you said. NFL experience, he doesn't have he doesn't have the NFL pedigree to be no. a head coach. If you wanted to bring in Matt Rule as an offensive coordinator, I'd be I'd be perfectly fine with that. But to bring him in as a head coach and be the face of your organization, that's a that's putting a lot on a guy who got his job because Art Bryles was couldn't control his program. I mean if if you think about how he got the job at Baylor the only reason he took over Baylor was because Art Bryles was doing all kinds of shady business down there. I know. I recall that. So it wasn't it wasn't like Baylor went out and said, "Ooh, Matt Rule, he he's better than the guy we have." No, that, that that's that's just not that's not how it worked. That you have to remember how he went there. But but that being said, Matt Rule has brought Baylor back when people thought Baylor was pretty much unsavable. He yes. has brought them back. They they won a bowl game, so good for them. I'm surprised the Jets I, I, I was surprised to read that the that it said the Jets were offering the job to Adam Gaze. I mean did we not see what this guy did in Miami? Um did the Jets not mm. see what was going on in Miami? I mean, they played him two times every year. They should have known. They should know what what Adam Gaze. Adam Gaze. How did he get? Yeah. How did he get big? It, you want to know how he became important? They signed a quarterback by the name of Peyton Manning. Right. It's Peyton Manning. I'd hate to tell you, Jets fans. Peyton Manning ain't walking through that door. Nope. You've got Sam. You've got Sam Darnold, and we all know how Lou oh. feels about Sam Darnold. But yes. you've got it. You've got Sam Darnold, so you don't have Peyton Manning. All right, that that's not happening. Ooh, I'm wondering, and and according to things I saw, I saw that McCarthy only wanted to meet with the Jets. He was he was canceling other teams just to meet with the Jets. That's the only team he wants to go to. Right. If you're the Jets, why wouldn't you want? Why wouldn't you want a Super Bowl winning coach to come into your organization? I yes, he's not a young guy like Adam Gaze. Yes, he's not an innovative offensive mind. But he is a Super Bowl winning coach who knows how to coach offense, knows how to work with a star quarterback because he did it with Aaron Rodgers for plenty of years before it started to go south. They, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers got along very well. Why you wouldn't want that guy to be in charge of your team, I, I don't get it. 
I just I I don't see why you would yeah. pass over Mike McCarthy. It doesn't make any sense. So no, we wrote, Lou, we, yeah. we met we mentioned it earlier in the game earlier in the show, but I want to get your take. All right. What was your take on Monday night? What was your your take on Monday night? You know, I wasn't really surprised. I knew Clemson, I think, had it because Bama was looking injured. Um, injured players tag wasn't really on his game, especially from uh, the last time they played. So I think Clemson really had it. Uh, it looked competitive in the first half, but when we got to midway towards the second half, Clemson was just too dominant. You know, I wasn't really expecting yeah. a blowout. I, I was. I was not. I was not expecting a blowout either. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll say that right now. I, I called a Clemson victory, but I was not expecting the blowout the way it was. But once I saw, um, once I saw the way Brent Venables was playing defense and calling his defensive game, I knew it was going to get out of hand quick. I mean, once it started to go, I said, "This is, this is gonna, this is gonna keep going," because. Because of the way I mentioned it, Brent Venables is the best coach in college football by far. He is the best coach, and then then you got then you got a fight between Saban and Sweet and Dabo Sweeney. But the defensive coordinator at Clemson, best coach out there. Once he once he smelt blood, once the blood was in the water, it was it was done for Alabama. So, Lou, you're a you're 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 college football. You watch college football, yeah, and you pay yeah. attention to it. And uh, last I know, you uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You 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 watch Notre Dame play, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier in the show, and I'm wondering if you can explain it to me. How right. did Ohio State jump Notre Dame? How did they jump Notre Dame and Oklahoma to the number three spot? What? And how did Notre Dame? How did Notre Dame fall to fifth in the final polls? Well, I think when their the, only loss the, was to Clemson. Yeah, but it was a big loss, and you know when they when they rank the college, they they go by um, you know the loss of differential, and Notre Dame's loss against Clemson was rather substantial uh, in that game, and I think that's what happened. Of why they were able to drop down to fifth, I don't think it was right. Okay. But okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna say that, if you're gonna say it's because Notre Dame lost substantially to to Clemson. Clemson. How about Oklahoma? Oklahoma was down twenty-eight to nothing when Alabama yes. when Alabama was actually playing. When when Alabama was playing, it was twenty eight nothing, and then Alabama said, "We're done. We we got we got this in the bag. We're we don't we don't have to worry about the rest of this game." Mm-hmm. Oklahoma stayed at four. How did Oklahoma stay at four when they got blown out by Alabama? I understand Notre Dame got blown out by Clemson, but Clemson yeah. went on to win the national title. Clemson is a Notre Dame lost to a team that. Did not lose at all, and I I I don't under I don't understand it. 
one bit. Yeah, it, I don't it, get that either. It, it makes no sense that Notre Dame got got, and it, and it makes no sense. It makes no sense that they moved no. Ohio State up to three. What did Ohio What did twice. Ohio State do in the bowl game? Nothing. They did nothing. They beat they beat a Pac-12 team that needed a snowstorm to get in. I mean, right. It's ridiculous. It it it's just ugh. Well, the well, ranking boggles my mind. Ridiculous anyway. Right. All right. You knew that though. We talked. We talked about so. Let let me get let me get your thoughts, Lou, b- b- before we before we move on to other subjects. Right. While we're on craziness, what are your thoughts on Wild Card Weekend? Well, you know, I was I was kind of surprised. I shouldn't say surprised, but really disappointed that the Bears, you know, let that get away. I mean, you know, it did, they had it, and the Eagles just, you know, uh, just. Uh, took over in the last second of the game, and I was not a happy camper with that. I was hoping for Chicago. Uh, I am happy that Dallas <laughs> uh, won. It's going to be a tough one, though, with the uh, Saturday's game. Mm, I really can't I really can't um, phantom it. I think uh, the Rams do have something here, and, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of tough for Dallas to – Pull this off. I just hope that it does come to be an, up, an upset, but I seriously doubt it. I mean, you got Jerry Goff, and he's just phenomenal. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you want to go to everything about Jared Goff, I mean, last year, last year they were in the same position, and everybody thought, oh, Jared Goff is playing so well, and they got all this, but. The um, you know, the same thing happened where they had a home game and they were playing a wild card team and they ended up. We know how that turned out. So yeah, it's been it's been a mixed bag on um, it's been it's been a mixed bag online as far as people that have uh, entered into our poll of picking the game. We've got we've got some people picking the Cowboys. We got some people picking. The Rams and the tiebreaker will be my buddy Ben who picked the Rams. So, yeah. So the people online are um, are, are telling me that the Rams are going to win. I, unfortunately, I agreed with them when I picked the game just now. But um, there were enough people picking the Cowboys that I felt comfortable that I could do that. What do you think about the other games, though? Let me ask you this, Lou. Yeah. Before we move on to other games, how about Lamar? How? What do you think of Lamar Jackson? Oh, like Jackson. And the way the Ravens, the way the Ravens played. Ravens, uh, Ravens played decent. The Ravens? Well, yeah, I'm okay, decent, but. Yeah, but that was a tough, that was a tough <laughs> game, though. That was a tough game, but to – I mean, the stat that blows my mind is that in the end of the third quarter, they had negative two passing yards. Yeah. That's not going to – that's not going to cut it, especially when you have a guy on the bench who's won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl MVP – 
won a game in Denver that he had no business winning with a Hail Mary throw that went off a guy's head and somehow uh, got to his receiver. When you have that guy sitting on the bench and your quarter and your starting quarterback has negative two yards passing, I, I, I just don't see how they didn't go and say, Joe Flacco, go in there, throw it, throw the ball, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we're going to take our chances. Why they kept running Lamar Jackson out there just didn't make sense to me at all. But that being no, said, the Chargers, the Chargers, as I've called them, Lou, the San Diego Chargers. Yes, you have. They, they had, they had to Foxborough to play the Patriots, and you know, I did not I'm get not, to talk about I'm this game yet. So I'm going to let I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to go to you. What What do you think is going to happen here in Foxborough? I'm not all sold on them because the Patriots are not the same team as they have been in recent years. I mean, Brady is showing signs of age and whatnot. And uh, I don't think that it's going to be an easy victory out for the Patriots this time around. It's not going to be a cakewalk. They might even lose. I, I, agree, I agree with you that it's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, I'm just checking. I'm, i got to check the replies here. Um, it, it's, a mixed, it, it's, again, a mixed bag. Most people are going with the Patriots. I've, I've been saying this. I've been saying this since day one of the season. I am not picking against the Patriots until somebody knocks them out. Right. Until they until they're dead and gone, then I'll tell you, yeah, the Patriots are done. But in Foxborough, with a week off, with with a bye week to get ready for this game, I don't see any way that the Patriots lose this game. I don't think it'll be easy. Uh, it won't. It won't be a a walk in the park, um, as it usually is for the Patriots at this point in the season. I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll be close. It'll come down to a fourth quarter drive by Brady. But that being said, we know what happens when it comes down to the fourth quarter and Brady. So yeah, I know. And unless yeah. unless they're playing the Giants in the Super Bowl. That's that's the only way Brady right. Brady has 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 any kind of any kind of brain fart in the final drive of a game, and the the Giants aren't walking through that door. Michael Strahan's not coming in to play. Um, I think the Chargers will give not. give them give the I think the Chargers will give them some fits, but I'm going to take the Patriots here, and I just want to check one thing before I say this. I think the Patriots win by a late field goal, so I would take. I would take that. I'm surprised that New England is only a four point favorite. Hmm. I would have thought they would be more than that at home, but either way, I'll take. I would take the Patriots winning by a field goal, which means I'll take the Chargers to cover, but the Patriots to win. All right. All right. So we talked. We, we talked about both those. Let's go to the game that uh, I think is most interesting. Um, and w- what do you think about the Colts and the Chiefs? Yeah, Colts got. Uh, I don't like the term Colts got lucky, but you know they did. I mean they pulled, but I don't see you know 
holding up a candle against uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, this is his year, Mahomes, and I don't, I don't see, I don't give Indianapolis much of a hope at all. See, I tend, I tend to agree with you, and for for those of you that were listening, you, you heard me talk about this. I did the preview for this game already. I told you, I think it's going to be high scoring. But I think the, I think Tyreek Hill is going to be the main reason that the Col- that the Chiefs win this game. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the feeling online is that the Colts are due for an upset. I just don't see it happening in Arrowhead. Um, I, I think beh- with that crowd behind them, I think it'll be a, a tough go of it for for Andrew Luck. Although that defense in Kansas City is basically like a piece of Swiss cheese out there. So I think it'll be high scoring, but I think that, I think the chiefs, I think the chiefs will eventually pull that one out. All right, let's go to the last game here. Little Eagles versus the saints. Again, you know, um, you know, Eagles, I mean, Eagles got away with it. You know, it didn't, it looked like a, it didn't, it was a tough game for them to win. Against on uh, Sunday, I don't see him uh, handling um, the Saints at all. I think the Saints are just way too tough at home, and they're going to blow them out. So you think the Saints are going to blow them out at home? Yes. All right. So because it's been said on this show, my boy Steve, who's an Eagles fan, he's probably doing backflips right now because – he knows anytime somebody on this show picks against the Eagles, that means the Eagles are going to win. I'm also going. I I would love I would love to pick the Eagles just to make them lose. However, yeah. If I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be rooting for the Eagles. If things go my way and the Cowboys win on Saturday, I'm going to be the biggest Eagles fan on Sunday. On Sunday at four o'clock, uh-huh. I will be rooting for the Eagles so that the Cowboys get a home game um, in in the championship. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. If the Cowboys, right. if, if it plays out like I think and the Rams lose, then I will be rooting for the Saints. So it all depends on what my team does. That's how that's how I'm I'm going to be rooting. However, what I think. Everybody out there knows I love Sean Payton. I love Drew Brees. I've called Drew Brees mm-hmm. the MV- I think Drew Brees is the MVP of the league. Um, I don't think there's any question about it, even though Pat Mahomes has had a great year. I've, I've discussed this on the show. I've discussed Drew Brees is the MVP. It's not a nostalgia thing. It's a Drew Brees has had an amazing season, and – has done well has done better in high profile games. I am surprised that the Saints are are an 8 point favorite in this one. I know it's at home. I know they score a lot of points. But there's just something about Nick Foles that I think he's going to keep this game close. I'm going to take the Saints, but I think the Eagles I would pick the Eagles to cover the 8. I think the Saints I think the Saints win this game somewhere in the realm of 35 31 35 mm. 28 somewhere out somewhere around there um 
you know, I, 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 I think you're going to walk. I think if you pick the Eagles to cover this game, I think you're going to get a backdoor cover where the Saints are in control, but the Eagles score late to make it interesting. And I think that's the way it goes. However, if the Eagles win, it's going to be close. It's going to be a field goal. It's going to be a a play at the end where the Saints have a chance to win it. It's going to be something – for the Eagles to win, they're not going to blow the Saints out. They're going to win close. For the Saints to win, they they can kind of do it do it either way. But I think the Saints are going to have to get out to an early lead and stay on them all game. That's how, that's how I see this game playing out. But I think the Eagles make it a close game at the end. Yeah. So again, right. uh, Lavaza, you you should be happy. I'm picking I'm picking the Saints. So we all know anybody who's followed the show knows I've picked the Saints, which means the Eagles just won the game. Oh, okay. And th- and that go- that goes back to last season. I picked against them every in every round of the playoffs. We know how that ended up. <laughs> and. I picked the Bears last week. We know how that ended up. So, to I, I want to say I know he's listening. So, to Steve, I have picked the Eagle. I have picked the Saints to win, and uh, so that means you can book it. Nick Foles will lead lead the Eagles to some kind of a victory. All right. So that's the NFL. So, um. Lou, what else, what else do you want to talk about? Well, let's let's see. Um, oh well, there is uh, one thing. Oh, yeah, we did we did cover the um, with the Jets, right? So we did talk about the Jets. Yeah. Um, another interesting hire was, was yes. during the week, and and I'll, I'll I'll get your feelings on this. I talked about this on a. Uh, on an interview earlier that's going to play on Friday on our on uh on Snowman in the Morning on yeah. the Arena Sports Network um Cliff Cliff Kingsbury yes to the Arizona Cardinals what do you make of that yeah like it's going to make a difference Cardinals are a dump <laughs> the Cardinals are a dump but it, let me just put it this way Lou if you're going to hire a college coach, don't you yeah. usually want a college coach that has a winning record? Yes. Don't you usually want a college coach that is currently the head coach of a team and not somebody who just got fired? Yeah, uh, right. I mean, I said this uh, uh, with, with Snowman, and it, it just it, it boggles my mind. This guy was not good enough to coach at his all. He was so bad at coaching his team. His yeah. alma mater fired him. It's not like just some some college. This is the college he went to. He was a his star own quarterback for. His own school said, "You know what? You're not good enough for us. Get out." Oh boy. <laughs> they kicked him out, and. And then if you're he goes, kicked up by your own school, what does that tell you? And then he goes and he gets a he gets the job. I I don't even think Cliff Kingsbury thought he was going to get a, a a job. 
because no. he takes the offensive coordinator position at USC. They offer it to him, and he's like, all right, this is the best I can do. Two weeks later, it is. the Arizona Cardinals want him as their head coach. What? What is going on here? How does yeah. this work? Like, only the Cardinals the can hell? do this. Only the Cardinals can pull this off, where they only get a guy. The and then, not only that, but all the talk about Cliff Kingsbury. Well, Cliff Kingsbury, he coached Pat Mahomes in, in college, and we see how good Pat Mahomes is. He coached Baker Mayfield in college. We see how good Baker Mayfield is. Let's just put that in perspective. He had Pat Mahomes, who some some people think is the NFL MVP. He had Pat Mahomes leading his team. Couldn't get them to a winning record. <laughs> Couldn't get them to be a, a an elite-level team. Yes, he won some games. Yes, they won games like 70 to like, you know, they would win like 75-70, like crazy scores. Yes, he's an offensive guru. He is from the mind of Mike Leach. But he's not Mike Le- He's not the inventor of this offense. He's not an no. innovative play caller. He's a guy who followed a model. He followed Mike Leach's model, which he learned by playing under Mike Leach. I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand this. And then... <laughs> On top of that, people say, oh, he coached Baker Mayfield. He didn't just coach Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. He is the guy who brought Baker, Baker Mayfield, he brought Baker Mayfield on as a walk-on. Yes, granted, he did that. But then he ran him out of town. <laughs> he, he, he made decisions that made Baker Mayfield say, I don't want to be here. I'm, going, I'm a Texas kid, and I'm going to Oklahoma. Like, yeah. he he couldn't get out of Texas Tech fast enough. And you want to tell me, well, Cliff Kingsbury made Baker Mayfield. No, he made Baker Mayfield leave. He let Baker Mayfield leave. The NFL is, is the exact opposite of that. You have to make do with what you have, and you have to make them better. And you have to get guys in that want to stay there. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury yeah. to the Arizona Cardinals, just more of the same for Arizona. It's kind of par for the course, yeah. as you said before. Um, I got one more note. I got one uh, more note for you before I go. Um, all right. Uh, it's, go ahead. I got one more question to ask you, too. All right, go all ahead. Right, go ahead. Then I'll, I'll hold on until you get till you do your question. Okay, I'll, I'll ask on. you one more, one more question, and it, it's because it was kind of a – it was kind of thrown thrown at me by by, by the snowman, so I want to get your opinion on this. Let's go, Brian. What what do you make of what do you make of the Antonio Brown situation in Pittsburgh? I think you got to let him go. Really? I think Pittsburgh needs a complete overhaul. You know. And- See, I'm. I I am of the I am of the complete opposite mindset of that. All right. I don't think there's any way you can let him go. Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh. I I don't think Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh can handle it. I really don't. You when you factor in everything that's gone on, 
in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was a juggernaut. Why? Because they had the three Bs. They had Big Ben, Antonio right. Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. You just right. gave Pittsburgh as an organization just gave Le'Veon Bell away. Mm-hmm. Just got rid of him. Now you're going to get rid of Antonio Brown. If you get rid of Antonio Brown, Big Ben, who is the most fickle quarterback of all time, one one yes. day he wants to retire, one day I'm going to play the next five years, then the next day, I don't know, I don't like this team, he's causing all sorts of trouble. If Big Ben doesn't have Antonio Brown and this team goes in the tank, you could easily see this year they lost Le'Veon Bell. If they get rid of Antonio Brown this offseason, next offseason you could see Big Ben just say, I'm done. I hang him up. You could lose all three of the things that made your organization. All three of those players could be gone in a three-year span. I don't think you can recover from that. It's going to be a long no. time till you recover from that. Even in Pittsburgh, where they where they seem to bounce back better than any other organization, they don't they don't have these down. You know they they don't really go in the tank for like a five six year period. They they don't do that. They go in for like one or two years and then they bounce right back. But if you lose all three of those guys, I don't see I don't see how they're gonna bounce. I don't see a bounce back. Not in this NFL. Not in this culture of the NFL. It could be a disaster if they let if they let Antonio Brown go. And you can't get anything back for him. You're never going to get a player. You're never going to get a player as good as him. You're never going to get a draft pick that's going to come in and be as good as Antonio Brown is. I think both sides have to sit down, look at each other and say, "Look, we all need each other. You need us." Antonio Brown, if you go somewhere else, you're not going to be you're going to make money, but you're not going to be as happy as you are here. We need to we need to mend these fences. We need to get this together and we that's what I think they need a grow and and I think Mike Tomlin is that guy to be the grown up in the room to say, "Hey, look. Mm-hmm. We're doing this. You know, we're doing this together. We're we're going to be fine. We're going to work this out." I I think Mike Tomlin's the perfect kind of he has the perfect uh, temperament for that. You know, it's not like you're dealing with a, a Bill Belichick type here, who's like my way or the highway. Like, yeah. Mike Tom, Mike Tomlin seems to be more of the like, all right, you do this, we're gonna react to what you do, and we're gonna make it work. That seems to be the way he goes. So I think he could kind of step in, be a mediator here, get things settled down, and and get them back on the same page, but. I think it would be a disaster. I just think it would be a disaster if they got rid of him. Hmm. Okay. So, what did you want? What, what was your question there, Lou? What do you make of uh, the Duke freshman uh, beyond the uh, they call Zion Williamson? Oh, I mean, Zion? there's a lot of talk of yeah. Zion is right now, from what I've seen, and. I really have only seen clips because I don't really get into college basketball until definitely after the Super Bowl. Like, um, but I, from what I've seen, Zion is the real deal. I mean, 
that 360 dunk he had the other day. I heard, yeah. You you, you don't see 285-pound guys doing that. Like, no. That's just not that's just not right. Like, um, I think he can come in and it's gonna be it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting thing to see what teams do at the end of the season. Because some teams have already started tanking. You know, teams once they're out, they will start tanking. Yes. And whoever this guy goes to, I hope he goes somewhere where he can be, uh, you know, where he can be marketable, where he can bring a franchise. To that point, if Cleveland gets the number one pick in the draft, I, I would be, I would be very upset because this is not, this is not LeBron James. This is not a Cleveland kid. This is a kid. If he goes to Cleveland, I, I just, I'm going to feel really bad for him. Because it's gonna, he's gonna be the best player on a team that is absolute garbage. Mm, one year and they're already garbage. But, but, oh, they're they're an they're an absolute disgrace to basketball right now. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I I've seen Cleveland play twice and they they can't make shots. They they hold the ball. They, they're not even they're not even interesting to watch. Like. At least, at least teams like Sacramento, they move the ball. You could see, like, all right, these guys have a little bit of skill. They just don't put it all together. Even uh, I'll go this far. Even the Knicks, when the Knicks are as bad as the Knicks are, you can still watch them and say, all right, this is this resembles basketball. Cleveland, yeah. it, it doesn't even resemble basketball. It 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 is so archaic. It is. It's just. God awful. So if Cleveland gets the number one pick and gets another another guy gets another game changing player, they got LeBron, they got Kyrie. If they get this kid, it's just what are we doing? Like we're just trying to prop them up and it's just not worth it. But right. Zion is the real deal. Zion is the real he from everything I've seen, mm. he is the real deal and I mean if you saw this guy play in the McDonald's All American game, he he looked like he looks like he is a ten year NBA vet out there with kids who looked like who looked like high schoolers. And he looked and he just looked that much better than everybody else. And he's show and he's showing it now. So all right, Lou, I got five minutes left, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go, but um let everybody know where they can find you and where they can hear you. All right. You can reach me, of course, on uh, Gmail, lucian45 at gmail.com. I'm also available on, on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Saturday nights, 6 to 8, for the Enhanced Sports Show. Uh, the number is 605-562-0444. PIN number is 262-556-POUND and then one and it should be an interesting show because we'll cover the divisional playoffs, uh, the uh, merry-go-round, the coach, uh, the uh, new hired coaches, of course, and we'll recap, of course, the uh, championship going to happen on Monday night and a whole lot more. So if you got time between six and eight Saturday night, 
feel free to call in. I hope you I hope you can. I hope anybody can. Awesome. Tell your can't tell wait, your friends. Tell your can't wait for friends. that little. Yeah. <laughs> tell everybody you know. So, definitely spread it around. Spread it around. We'll get we'll get as many people as we can get over there. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Lou. We love having you, and we'll talk next week about uh, about all the games and preview the championship games. All right. All right. So we're getting close to the end of the show here. Um, we we talked about everything we wanted to do. We uh, we went over in case pe- in case people got lost in the conversation. I picked the Chiefs over the Colts. I picked I picked the Rams. I picked the Rams over my Cowboys. I picked the Patriots over the Chargers, and I took and I took the Saints over the Eagles. Um, I um, I get I guess I got to go with uh, my boy Ben. I, I was trying to find an away team that would win. My boy Ben Willis, uh, he he told me all four home teams would win, none by more than a touchdown. I kind of. Totally agreed with Ben with my picks. Um, I I wanted to find an if there's an away team that's gonna win, I would say the best bet is the Colts because of what I talked about earlier with Andy Reid. But I actually do think the the you know I do think all the road teams I do think everybody's gonna have a chance to do what they do. You know the Cowboys. If they play their style of defense and the Rams come out and look shell-shocked like they did last year, could be a very – could could be a good road for the Cowboys. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Rams are going to be ready this time. Um, I think the Cowboys are the perfect opponent for the Rams. Um, I said this to a buddy of mine when we were discussing this, you know, Wade Phillips on the sideline for the Rams. He probably knows Jason Garrett better than Jason Garrett knows Jason Garrett. So um, I, I think Wade Phillips will be able to come up with a, with a game plan to stop Jason Garrett. Um, so so anyway. Um, I, I think obviously since I picked the Saints, we all know the Eagles are going to win, so um, we're going with that. Um, and when we're getting we're getting ready here, you know, we'll be back next week to talk about the cha- to talk about all the games that are played this weekend. We'll break down the championship game uh, in each conference next week, and next week we'll probably start a little bit of NFL draft talk. Um, well, because we'll only have two games to discuss, uh, we'll have four games to break down, two games to to discuss, and for our college uh, segment, we'll 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 end up breaking down some of the NFL draft. So we'll we'll start getting into that. Um, you know, we're on top of all the NFL hires. Most of the jobs are pretty much filled. Um, the Browns hired their uh, interim offensive coordinator for the head coach. They hired him because he got along with Baker Mayfield. I want to see if I still have the name here, and I don't. It seems to have erased from my phone, but we'll deal with that later on. But um, 
Either way, we'll be back next week to break all the football down. And, of course, as I said, get ready for my favorite part of of every uh, football season, the NFL draft, which uh, will be fun to do. All right, guys. Till then, next week, we'll be back with the Fit Down Sports Show. Again, look us up on Facebook. Like our page. Like our page. Uh, all our shows will be posted there. Um, I want to thank. I want to thank my buddies at. Hold on, I I lost the page. <laughs> I, I want to thank my my buddies at NCAA Sports Nation for picking up uh, picking up the show and allowing us to uh, comment comment there during the week and to post our show so I definitely want to thank those guys uh, we're going to have a lot of fun there um, as we move on but um, with that being the case enjoy the games this weekend and we'll talk to you next week
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.